Hey Zookeepers, it's your boy, Brandon. And uh, I'm here to say we had a fun episode. We decided to watch a good movie for a change and head on Kevin Potus of the Thought Cops. A great podcast. I don't always say that, it's just Thought Cops. You know how it goes when the intros are going. Anyways, check it out if you haven't before. Great podcast talking about all the awful things on the internet. We had a real fun time talking about this Coen Brothers joint. And as always, if you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. Those help big time. And uh, if you ever want to get in touch with us, we'll read whatever you say on an episode. Just tweet at us at Podzuki on Twitter. Just Podzuki. Pretty nice. Or email us at podzukipodcast at gmail.com. Anyways. Render unto Ghidra what is Ghidra's. Ten to one he sees you through a beaker and a tweezers. Read the fine print and be like, what's the big deal? Spun wheels of steel since broke wheel, big wheel. Back when it was greasy as curl, now it's easy dread. Had a rhyme on how they used to tease him about his peasy head. Yes, yes, y'all, to the beat. Have a ball. Oof, that was a weak clap. That felt like the, the first handshake I'm going to give when I get back out of the pandemic. I'm just going to... Wander off from society and do away with myself into a cave until I pass I think away. handshakes are done with. I don't think handshakes are coming back. I'm kind of a fan of handshakes. I, I gotta say, I'm a weird. I mean, like that. I, I get it, because, like, yeah, I perfected my handshake. I had, like, go a little harder than you think you should. <laughs> Ooh, baby. But uh, I, I think they're gone. I don't think the traditional handshake is coming back for a little while, but I think it's going to go back to where people are grabbing each other's wrists to check for hidden daggers. Oh god, we I love that so much. We got to bring that back. Hey, welcome to Podzuki, uh, the internet's number one dagger talk and podcast, where we'll tell you where to look for daggers, where to identify them, and uh, who's who's packing. I'm one of your co-hosts and one of the uh, hide kaiju. I'm one of the okay. Let's try this again. I am one of your co-hosts and Hollywood kaiju bad boys, Brandon Kirkman. I'm another one of your co-hosts and kaiju Hollywood bad boys, Luke Evans. Flip. Hey, it's me, another one of your Hollywood kaiju bad boys, co-host number three, Martin Felschman. And oh, oh my goodness, who's this we got over here? It's a, it's a special guest, one half of the fantabulous Thought Cops. Everyone give it up for Kevin Potus. How the hell are you, boys? Put your hands, oh. put those hands together for Shut Up and Dribble, <laughs> Kevin Potus. <laughs> I, I want that to be your next catchphrase. I, I just listened to the Witten episode before we started recording, and it made me laugh so I mean, much. Someone's got to say it. You know, these uh, these Space Jam characters, there's too much complaining, like, oh, they're not, they don't have big enough boobs, their ass is too big. I just say, shut up and dribble, you know? <laughs> <laughs> just get on the court and leave That's politics aside. Nobody, like, com- nobody complained when they redesigned Lola for the Looney Tunes show. That's true. Yeah. Because nobody gave a and shit. Then- do you know who originally did her voice before they got really big? I don't know. Who? Like before Kristen Wiig started doing it? Like Kristen Wiig. No, she did oh. it before. And then she got big and she left the series. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I know that Kristen... I just knew that Kristen Wiig was the voice of Lola in the Looney Tunes show. I never really watched it because I didn't care for the Seinfeldification of Looney Tunes. Yeah, it was like kind of weirdly sitcom-y. I saw like a couple episodes and I was intrigued by it. Uh, it wasn't terrible. Like it was better than no, Lunatics. No, it wasn't bad. Yeah, that's bad. Which, that's we're bad. all still recovering from lunatics these, what, 13, <laughs> yeah. 14 years later? God, sometimes that's, I wake up in a, a cold sweat and like, oh, lunatics! God, they're unleashed. <laughs> the early 2000s were a scary time. Everything everything just had <laughs> yeah. to have that, uh... God, uh, you said Seinfeldification. I'm trying to think of like the, the right appropriate terminology for like, uh... Well, this was even like, because this was like, like late yeah, 90s. Yeah, it was more like... 
It's 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 new metal. It looked like every character did a fusion dance with Shadow the Hedgehog. <laughs> I play, yeah, I play there we go. I like that. And an Xbox, as you should. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're about almost four minutes in the recording, so we should actually say that we're a podcast that talks about uh, kaiju and monster movies. Uh, we we're we're having a unique one today, which uh, we let Kevin pick it, and I was really excited. We're going to talk about uh, a Stone Cold classic, which is No Country for Old Men, the Coen Brothers joint, if you will. That's right. Yeah, this was a great movie, and also it came out way earlier than I thought it had. Because I remember this movie coming out in, like, 09, but this movie came out in 07. That's not a tremendous difference. True, but I don't know. For the age I was at the time, because I was in high school in 07, in 09 I was in college. Because I I remember being in college when this movie came Hmm. out. I don't know why, but... Maybe that's just how it made me feel. Maybe. Like I was. Maybe it came out in the later half of 07. <laughs> yes, I believe it did. Let's take a look here real quick. It was November. Oh, no, it's the, yeah. Because the Canis really releases on. Yeah, I was like, was what the hell? Fucking. The Canines released. So the dogs got to see it first. Do you have a stroke? Are you having a stroke? I'm always having a stroke. That's my secret. Um. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, so it actually they they got a lot of talk on that buzz. What uh, maybe I'm having a stroke? They got a lot of buzz from that the festival, and and it came out in May for that, but it was actually released in the United States on November 9th, two thousand seven. So very, very late November. So yeah, like around the holiday times. Yeah, and then uh, as I mentioned this earlier before we started recording, but two thousand seven is just a truly insane year for movies because uh this i mean came out back to back almost with uh, there will be blood which is another favorite and classic of mine um but you also have sunshine came out that year i don't know if you guys have seen that uh really good science fiction film i don't know if it has much press or time but it was a really good one uh and then uh another really good kind of classic for the comedy scene which is hot rod that's oh, that's crazy yeah. to think came that, out the actually, same year. That's a movie I hear everybody talk about all the time, but I've not seen it. It's it's oh great. Luke, yeah. I'm gonna lend you my copy. It's so worth. It's so oh my god, it's so good. Yeah, Into the Wild came out that year as well. Um, Juno, which we have uh, decided to release Diablo Cody from the Zetgeist finally, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, um, I didn't care for Juno. I remember that being yeah. really big, and I rem- remember watching it and thinking like, Daniel Klaus did this like years before yeah and i mean the, there yeah. was a market of, for that uh, sort of okay. like tweeness back then and i i, I yeah. don't know how well that would hold up now i haven't gone back and watched it but i haven't wanted to i also yeah. think jason alex not jason alexander jason bateman is miscast in the movie i want to see i want to see jason alexander's lead role in that now you know he could probably pull it off i, yeah. I want to see jason alexander and more things in general yeah. One of my most hated films of all time came out that year, which is Across the Universe. I still think is one of the biggest pieces of shit ever Oh, made. I hated that movie, too. I remember being intrigued when I first saw it, because I was not really familiar with the concept of a jukebox musical. Yeah. But then I saw it. And I it learned and, how to hate them for a minute. Yeah, then I saw it, and I'm like, this is stupid. Um, <laughs> and I saved the biggest one for them all, which is, I I think I've told the story in this podcast. I saw it four times opening weekend. Because I didn't want to admit to two different groups of friends that I'd seen it with another group of friends. And then I saw it with my brother and then I saw it with my dad afterwards because I didn't want to tell them either because I promised everyone I'd see it with them first. I saw Spider-Man 3 four times the wow. opening week and it came out. Oh, oh my God. So Brandon, did... I'm so sorry. Did you drop this game? <laughs> yeah, thank you. So did you have to like it... pretend that you hadn't seen it? 
every single time? I had to pretend I didn't see it two times. And then the fourth time with my dad when I went to go see it again, I just told him, like, I've already seen it three times. Who it, This movie can't Yeah, they're like, how come you're not laughing at the <laughs> dancing part, Brandon? This is funny. It's supposed to be funny. Brand- Brandon, did you gasp every time that Peter almost lost the engagement ring? <laughs> oh, every time. It was a shock. I, um... I really did go through this, I would say, an entire lifetime of experiences watching that movie four times <laughs> the opening weekend of like when I first saw it, it was honestly the worst thing I'd ever seen. I just hated it so much. It disappointed me in every way I could think of because I loved Spider-Man 2 so much. Uh, the second time I felt kind of the same way, but I started coming around like, well, it's kind of campy at least. So it's not the worst rewatch. <laughs> Third time around absolutely loved it just i i had let go of everything i'm like this is the army of darkness of spider-man i'm here for it who gives a shit and the fourth time i just went to like yeah i'm just this is my favorite spider-man film now who cares did did you not at any point think that you like died and that was just your like Sisyphean task (laughs) yeah i felt like i had i had died and i'd become the imaginary butler that um that exists in that movie to explain the origins to um to the Green Goblin, or I should say, sorry, the, what, what's his actual name? Hobgoblin, maybe? James Franco? Yeah, James Frank, James, James Frong Goblin. <laughs> James Frog. Harry Osborne? Um, yeah, that's the one, Harry that's Osborne. Um, yeah, that, I think as the years have gone by, I, I think back to that, that weekend in my life fondly at this point, after having so many emotions about it, oh. so... Well, but yeah, that's that's 2007. So uh, let, let's get it. Let's get moments. into talking about No Country for Old Men. Uh, Kevin, why did you pick this movie? You know, Brandon texted me. He's like, "Hey, you want to come back on Podzuki?" I'm like, "Absolutely!" And he's like, "Hey, it's your pick." And it took me honestly about like maybe two minutes to think on it. And I was like, "Have you guys done No Country for Old Men yet?" And he's like, "No." I'm like, "Oh, that's surprising." So I I think that you know I last time I was on we watched a classic kaiju movie, uh what was it the intolerable yeah. Varian like the in Vargon the indestructible let me see here I, I think it's something the unbearable yeah it was some weird I don't know no but nobody liked the, the indomitable yeah, nobody liked the guy Varian something like that <laughs> so we watched you know kind of kept it in in the bounds of what society would deem as a classic kaiju movie so i wanted to think a little bit outside the bun this time and i was thinking about like what are some other classic kaiju monsters and i'm like of course anton shigor is (laughs) one of you know i mean again not in the traditional sense but i do think that he has a lot of similar attributes to a kaiju he's a uh, large and imposing and terrifying uh llewellyn mm-hmm. refers to him as the ultimate badass and uh he's got that <laughs> yeah. big scary weapon so i i think it might... well yeah there's like a whole i like research paper to be written about like this kind of monster versus like the giant monsters how they're similar how they're different yes and like, especially yeah. like how like like Eastern and Western monster movies kind of diverged, right? At right. a certain point, like this is sort of like, yeah. I mean, the the East, you know, they have a Godzilla, Mecha Godzilla, Godzuki. Uh, over here, you know, we got um, we got uh, Anton Chigurh. Uh, we got uh, Jason. <laughs> I w- I would say uh, Michael Myers, maybe even. Um, yeah. Yeah, I the think actor, it goes back the... to probably like Psycho with like Norman Bates. 
Oh no, mm. we got to talk like classic, classic American kaiju, Paul. Bunyan. Oh, that yeah, yeah, Paul Bunyan, and don't forget the blue yeah. ox, yeah, blue ox, yeah, Johnny Appleseed too. Uh, just, I mean, he was also three stories tall, but no one ever talks about yeah. that. No, they just <laughs> talked about that anime that he loved is Apple something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, the good old Apple. Seed. And he really and likes the apple seed cast. So I think, I think basically, yeah. I, I do think that you are considered a kaiju if you're at least six foot two. So that's just what I've heard. Well, he 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 wears boots too, so yeah, he gets a little bit of a boost from that. What? Shiger? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you know, uh, Bar popped in and was looking at me, and giving me a weird look. Oh, <laughs> you being too loud. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think it's I just said something really stupid. <laughs> uh, more likely, yeah. Uh, but yeah, this this sorry, movie yeah. is really insane. I'd almost forgotten that it was a Coen Brothers movie because it feels like a Coen Brothers movie, but since it's based on a Cormac McCarthy book and not like their own original script, there's not that quirkiness to it. There is a little bit though. A little I mean, bit. there's some quirkiness. And that's what I think, yeah. like, I think this movie in particular is a great blend of the different kinds of Coen Brothers movies because you have like a lot of their more quirky ones, like Raising Arizona, Big Lebowski, things like that. And then you have a lot of their more serious movies, um, like I guess like Fargo. I, I, you know, I guess Fargo is more of a mix as well. Um, a, yeah, a Blood serious symbol. man. Because yeah, I, when, I, when I first thought of that, I was like, "This is Fargo without the quirkiness, just the banality of crime." I do think. Yeah, and also but maybe I mean, it's Fargo... because like the Southern accent isn't as funny as like the uh, Milwaukee accent. Is. I, I tend to disagree, actually, a little bit. I think that this movie captures so much of this um, simplicity of this rural Texas kind of lifestyle. Like a lot of scenes are um they're not like explicitly funny but there it's a lot of it is in the editing where it's just like the dialogue and like somebody will say something kind of strange or like offbeat and it will cut immediately to the next scene and you're like what the hell did that guy just say um like my favorite scene in the whole movie is probably when um uh Lou Ellen is uh he he's looking for a change of clothes cuz he's being hunted down by Anton Chigurh and he goes into that clothing yeah. store and he's like, yeah, I need a, I need a new vest and a pair of shoes. He's like, okay, coming right up, sir. He's like, you probably don't get a lot of people strolling in here without clothes on, do you? He's like, it's a bit unusual, <laughs> sir. And then it just like cuts right to the next. Scene. Oh, oh yeah, that, I remember that scene. That was great. And yeah, that's a very Cohen brother scene, right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in a ways, this is they did some more serious movies. I'd say where there is definitely a lot of that cut out. Like Miller's Crossing, I would say, is just as serious in tone which is another one I quite love that kind of gets underplayed for a lot of their stuff. Um, and then, yeah, I I feel like there's there's some silly parts for sure. I, even very dark, but silly. Like the first time he uses the cattle, uh, the cattle rod thing for killing people. I forget the exact name of it, but oh, yeah, holds they holds it up uh, to the one guy. Yeah, compressor gun. Yeah, the cattle compressor gun. When he holds it up to the one guy's forehead, it, it, in a way, it does you feel know, kind of like... You know, the thing uh, about Anton Chiguer, he is so action figure ready. He's exactly, got yes. the, yeah, the compressor it. gun and the shotgun with a crazy silencer that's not a real thing, but it looks fucking awesome. I'm about to, I'm about to yeah, Google let me see Anton Chiguer a... Figma right now. I'm doing a, I'm doing yeah, an android, yeah. right? Um, so, Ami- right? He would look great as Amigo. I, I thought you were yeah. saying like he 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 moves like an action figure. He does though. Like he's got the arms I mean, kind of like moving at the side, you know. 
Well, yeah, we never saw anybody squeeze his legs together during the film to see what would happen. Oh, that would uh, have been a great a kung fu grip. He, he kept reminding me of like Adam Driver, but what I think Adam Driver like is just like a monster. <laughs> oh, so like an Adam. <laughs> but you might want to explain that a little bit. Well, uh, you know, like how Adam Driver, like you, you see him like sit and like talk and breathe. And he's like a monster. <laughs> oh, yeah. Horrifying, yeah. <laughs> man. Yeah, okay, I see it now. <laughs> like, that's what, like, uh, Javier Bardem is playing. And he does it better than Adam Driver does. That's actually, no, that, that is an interesting comparison. I, I do almost sort of see that in Kylo Ren a little bit. Like, he's sort of like a, the angsty uh, 14-year-old version of Anton Chigurh in a way, just like the, the, I don't know, he, like what, what he wants to be more imposing, I guess, like but isn't. Yeah, he, so maybe, maybe he's the haircut, I'm not sure. I... The haircut's yeah. a lot yeah. of it, too. <laughs> and that's a big part of Anton Chigurh. I mean, like it's, it's a big attribute of him as a kaiju is just his appearance and that classic haircut. And I think... Yeah, that Dorothy yeah. Hamill, Pete Rose... <laughs> yeah. haircut one of the funniest like trivias reading about this is that when he first got the haircut when they went into makeup to start filming for this movie he went to talk to the gun brothers and told them offhandedly that he's not gonna be able to get laid for a few months and they both uh the coen brothers both high-fived each other because they knew they had nailed yeah. the look down which i thought <laughs> so funny <laughs> it's like uh, it's such a good story there's there's a lot of good trivia i, I kind of wrote down that I'll, I'll sprinkle as we go throughout this uh episode but like one that i think is kind of harder to bring up is um uh, the use of music in this is so interesting to me because there there is a soundtrack that's just very quiet it's about 16 minutes altogether that you only hear very faintly in the background for a few key scenes and that's it. Like the whole movie is so atmospheric and quiet. I think that's what really makes it kind of stand out and makes it so good. Yeah, no, I, I, I would a hundred percent agree. Yeah. Very, very ominous feel the whole time that never like really relents. I like that's, I think why I also agreed with you when you brought him up as being a monster. And I agree with that is because like it makes his character and his hunt for him feel like this complete, like source of chaos that's not going away almost kind of like uh if you will a godzilla when he enters a city you know it's an inevitable destruction coming. i, I think terminator yeah. is a good oh yeah like, because it's, it's just something that's not going to stop unless you destroy it something that's much more like a force of nature than uh something something tangible. exactly and that's the perfect way to yeah. put it yeah anton chigur and godzilla both are incredible forces of nature and, you know, we, we feel that it instills the same sense of fear, you know, that we might see if we saw perhaps mm. a, a, you know, we see Llewellyn and uh, Shigur facing off several times during the movie. I, I can only assume it's rivaled uh, in the same way perhaps Kong versus Godzilla might be. Okay, who's Kong? Who's Godzilla? Let's get it, let's get it out there, boys. Ooh. Well, I, I really want to get Godzilla... to... Get... Nope. Go ahead. Sorry, I feel like Godzilla's got to be Anton because Atomic Breath is just the perfect like analogous for uh, that fucking cow gun. I agree. Mm, yeah, and then I feel like uh, definitely uh, Llewellyn or you know Brolin playing the character because he's monkeying around this whole film, dude. He's just he's, <laughs> he's aping it up. He's falling over. He's in over his head. Um, I guess we should actually get to some of the plot because the, the plot is pretty condensed. For yeah, this, but it's basically, still good to go through. Yeah, uh, Josh Brolin. Llewellyn Moss is a hunter. He's hunting a buck on the plains of uh, what, uh, where do they they live? What state are they in? Texas. I think like outside of Texas. Texas, Yeah. 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 
Like, just Texas. The rest of it doesn't really matter. But he's hunting bucks, and while chasing one that he's wounded, he comes across a drug shootout. Yeah, and he finds a very thirsty man. Yeah, like, he examines everything. He finds one dude who's alive, just begging for water. He doesn't have any water, which I always thought was kind of bullshit why he wouldn't have some water on him. I think, I mean, because he, I mean, uh, he goes back later that night after he finds the money there to give him water and telling his uh, wife to mind her own business because it's the 1980s. Um, And it's like, I think he honestly just didn't have any water. And I think at first I'm like, oh, is this just a stupid character? And I think they're just because the film is so masterfully done i really honestly think it's supposed to display how underprepared this character is like i i think about the two shots at the beginning of the film right away because we see antoine's character when he first is kind of uh accosted by a police officer he's taken in and then instantly kills him to escape and then take his car yeah um almost in like a mirror of that we see, the first scene we see with uh brolin as uh, moss is he's he's hunting you know the one like kind of i want to say it's like an antelope or something uh whatever that is he's going after uh he 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 shoots to kill it but he he wounds it and it gets away and i feel like that scene's always supposed to show like he's he thinks he could hang with the big boys kind of like antoine when he gets the money and do this and pull it off but he's absolutely not prepared he can't do anything correctly like he's just instantly in over his head yeah Um, that's a good way to put it yeah i haven't really thought of it that way yeah uh but uh, yeah the i i guess going back to the scene when he does go to see his wife d- does it feel like they're trying to show like he's kind of a jerk or sexist his wife or is this just their relationship and i can I never it's figure a little that bit out. a little column a yeah. little column b i'd say yeah. yeah um also why this is all going to the the first actual shot of the movie is with um tommy lee jones kind of narrating about not the events happening but just like the i'd almost say like the state of the world to him at the time which I yeah. think is really interesting. And then talking about like old memories in the police force. And I mean, God damn, what a, what a good actor. Like even him just narrating it and the few scenes he has are all just so, I think powerful and give so much. He plays the, the like character very well. Absolutely. Yeah. He really, he, nails the, it. The, yeah. the whole idea of like generational sort of stuff really gets through. Cause they make him look old as shit. Mm-hmm. Mm. And him just being like a sheriff in this, fucking butt-fucked Egypt town which is one thing I really liked about this movie like it reminded me of the south how there's just nothing for miles yeah and, and there's a lot of I think the the desolation and like how ambient a lot of this film is it feels like it really shows like both the beauty and just the vastness of the desert in yes. a lot of the scenes which mm-hmm. I always really like too there, yeah I, I, there's something about like the desert in like movies and TV shows that just like hits me in the right way like there's just like like, i mean i never grew up around a desert but there's just something always interesting to me about it like you said the vast emptiness of it like just when you really think about how wide and empty it is and how things can go very very wrong out there it may it's a lot you know it's very imposing yeah i um i spent a lot of time out in the arizona deserts as a kid because my grandparents lived out there and we go out almost Mm -hmm. like every summer so I always feel nostalgic for it when I see it and stuff yeah. like this film. But I, I do love the feeling that it is like raw nature and the fact that it's it's really beautiful and majestic to look at. 
But if you were just to randomly go into the desert one day without being prepared, it, it is ready to straight up murder you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, no it's, doubt. It's, it's, it's beautiful and majestic, but also uh, incredibly deadly. It's, that's, that's why it's so, so wonderful and appealing. It's, it's like... Just it's, like a woman. I was going to say I mean, like a kiss from a rose, but like, I mean, you're, all, you're right. <laughs> yeah, okay, I guess, you know what? All the statements Luke says we support and are on board with, including uh, Kevin, yeah, which absolutely. I think is important to state. <laughs> Anything yeah. I say is officially endorsed by Podzuki, and it's a right. and, and Thought Cops. And <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah. laughs> America. Ooh, that's another t-shirt idea. T-shirt. <laughs> just thought cops. No, just anything I say is officially endorsed by Podzuki. <laughs> yeah, and thought cops. Uh, yeah. So the the movie kind of takes off from there when he gets back with the money. It's and, a chase uh, after that. Yeah, which is I think it's it's so well done because the thing I think what's really amazing about this movie is it pulls off. I I want to say in the most respectful way the most boring chase to ever be filmed. Of like it's so atmospheric and takes its time with every scene. That everything always kind of seems slow, but it feels extremely tense I think, at the same time. I think time. it all works so well, too, because nobody is an idiot. Yeah. Everybody is smart with, like, how to, like, to fight. Yeah. yeah. Like, even Moss, I would say, even though he's in over his head, he's, he, he's he trying can, to do everything he can. He can run with the big dogs. Yeah, like that scene when he's yeah. got the, the two hotel rooms and he's pushing the suitcase... Cause he's like, he's, yeah, because the Mexicans were waiting for him in his yeah, room. Yeah, and he's like, you know, he's not 100% sure how they're finding him that way, but he's like, well, must be something in the suitcase. He just kind of figures it out on the fly. So he puts it in that uh, air conditioning vent, and of course he figures out, you know, by trial and error that, yes, they're tracking it somehow, and he sees the little uh, beeper in there, which again, I think this was like, yeah. I want to say this takes place in 1977 or so. It's 1980, no, it's about, it's like, a, 1980 yeah, like 1980 yeah. on the okay. dot. Oh, okay. But even still, like that, I, I, I was like, oh, I didn't realize they uh, may or may not have had that technology then. Yeah, yeah, no, I think they have that technology. I, I was looking at all kinds of little things in the movie and being like, is this historically accurate? Because one of the hotels, they probably like, had yeah, something like HBO. like that, but I still can't figure out exactly what, why the transponder was in there. The white did the. Americans put the trans. Were they the money men? They were there to pay for drugs from the Mexicans, right? Yeah, I think so. So they put the transponder in the money so they could hunt them down and get the money back. I think so. I think it was just in case something went wrong because it makes sense that they'd want to have a few fail safes in place. Uh. Um, Yeah, it's it's got it's got a lot of things going on it and. one thing I always love—it doesn't this matter because is... the money's like just like the perfect MacGuffin. Yeah, but one thing I do love about the film is they never actually specifically talk about the money or what they're going to do to get them back. It's more of like you know these things are in place and these are all the kind of yeah. the players going after it right now. Yeah, yeah. like I feel like MacGuffin. that scene's really well established with um, the character Stephen Root's playing, where he's kind of the basically he's just referred to as the man who hires Wells when he talks to uh, Wells, who's played by uh, you know. Good old Woody Harrelson, who yeah, does a great yeah. job in this film too. I really like um, Stephen Root too, though, because yeah. I like that criminals in business room, business meetings. Yeah, that's that the Fargo sh- TV show does all the time. Yeah, and I mean, let's let's just get around to it right away. Of course, we're always going to remember him for the best role in television of all time, I was which is just playing Bill say, on King yeah. of the Hill. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, but his career is truly like amazing because he's been in a lot of Coen Brother films that are great. I wouldn't want space, to limit him to just Bill Dotrieve. Oh, it's not. Yeah. A, it's yeah. not a limitation. That's just that's. I personally, that's just my favorite role yeah. of his. Yeah, and he was amazing in Barry as well. He was uh, Office Space. He was Belvin. Yeah. You know what? We should make this a Stephen Root podcast. <laughs> Just looking at all Apparently the things he's done. Also, news radio. Bring back uh, King of the Hill, allegedly. So, you know, oh, there's a market. There's a market. Well, uh, yeah. we'll we'll see if it's if it's any writing like the last couple of seasons. I'm not. Super yeah, that's what I I agree too. Everybody's kind of psyched for it to come back, and it's like I mean, it it, it was kind of hanging on by a thread like at the end of its original run. So I don't know. Yeah. It was still good. Though. It was. I mean, it was like, no. It was no Simpsons it... th- season thirty-three, but it was. It was not. <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't exactly where it was. Like maybe like season four, five, whatever. I think the craziest thing is that somebody out in this world says to themselves, "Simpsons uh, season thirty-three. That's my favorite season." Like, I just think that's so funny to think about. I don't know. Even uh, if a, a new King of the Hill gets greenlit, I think someone will stop it in production. I think it'll. I don't yeah. think it'll make make it to series, and I don't want it to. If Mike Judge isn't involved with it, I wouldn't want to because he's he's been consistently funny and good with almost all of his properties. Oh, over definitely, years, if he's not involved. He, I mean, they they did bring back yeah. Beavis and Butthead for a season, which was like arguably better than the original. Well, oh, Beavis yeah. and Butthead is a little bit different than it's, King it's, of the Hill. It's, it's very different. It's 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 a lot more gaggy. It's less uh, character driven, but it's still. I I don't yeah. know. I could I could do a whole thing bitching about specific things of king of the hill and i'm not going to yeah to get and actually to get it back on track too i feel like these scenes are all playing at the same time when moss checks into the kind of motel where he's staying for a little bit of the movie and we uh we cut to the scene kind of right after that of anton hunting him with the gas station scene which i mean arguably it has to be one of the best like moments in film history like i just feel that confident about how good that i mean scene the, is. the movie's incredible Which, i mean like that I, this is a movie i could watch over and over and over and over and i would not get tired of it yeah it, yeah it's just it's so it, it's so good of the whole coin toss thing and i like the 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 intense weight you feel of this guy like just realizing like something's yeah, off yeah. with this dude but he can't put his finger and, on it and like he's kind of worried, but he doesn't know how worried you know, he should be. Kind of funny. Yeah. We, we did tangent over to King of the Hill a little bit because I was, you know, I was sitting there watching this, and it, it gave me vibes because I I remember hearing that the writing staff for that show would uh, spend summers down like in Texas to like pick up on the cultural things and like the, just the small moments, and I feel that this movie captures a lot of that similar, um, you know sort of like i for lack of a better term like simpler uh mentality or simpler lifestyle in a way and like all these people it's like you know this guy he's like yeah you know i live in the house out back from the uh the gas station and whatever he's like yeah. oh you married into it he's like i guess you could say that and i think it shows his character so well because you can tell when he says certain things like when he says i married into it it like yeah offends yeah him he got like jokes for a second, for a second. <laughs> And again, that that scene is great. I mean, like, just uh, that always like leaves a big smile on my face. Where he's like, "Don't put the quarter with the other ones." What? Well, where am I supposed to put it? He's like, "Keep it with you." He's like, "So it's not another coin," which it is. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just like walks off. And touch a dare, total libertarian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. He like he's got a copy of Atlas Shrugged that he always takes with him. If he's alive nowadays, he's been. That's talking why about he's NFTs got that haircut. Twitter. 
There, there it yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I think, once again, it's a testament to even the most serious films that the Coen brothers do. There's like a certain sense of whimsy and kind of almost humor at the end of that. When he's like, hey, yeah, you just got lucky, man. You totally, like, you know, saved your life. So do whatever yeah, you want. I do quarter. think Who that cares? it like stuff, you know, adding that element of humor, like to a movie, like it's, it's not a comedy by any stretch, but it really makes the emotional impacts and this i was laughing every minute of it's this a thing, laugh, of, laugh a mile you know uh but <laughs> it really just makes it all like in more impactful you know when like shit does go wrong or shit is very uncomfortable it's like you've sort of felt the gambit of emotions like through all these different scenes where you're like oh shit this is like actually kind of you know you're feeling something yeah I think what it's impressive, as we mentioned a few times, each scene seems to have a certain weight to it of like just how intense things are getting that never lets up. In a way, it's like a, it's almost like the quiet, silent version of Mad Max Fury Road of like it just keeps going and getting worse, but it's like you can't look away. So, um, that's hey, we should watch that for positive. Actually, for like some just reason. rewatched that like three days ago too. So interesting, back to back. Oh yeah, I love yeah. that movie. Watch what movie? Yeah, it's so good. Mad Max Fury Road. Oh yeah, that movie's great. I feel like I I didn't like, <laughs> I I still love it, but I didn't like it didn't have the same exact impact on me that it did back in 2015 when it came out because I think it really rode off that like high velocity impact which it still has, but I feel like that's almost become a weird standard in modern movies to some extent. Yeah, yeah. so many movies have kind of I'd say just imitated it exactly since yeah, it came it, out. Yeah, it sort of has that legacy impact now, but it's not, you know, it doesn't quite stand out in the same way. But again, like it, it did it first and it did it very, very well. Yeah, it's like when the first movie came out with the train coming at the audience, like every, every movie after fucking that had movie. the train coming <laughs> Every movie. It's got it. And, and the yeah. audience runs out every time. It's a big problem. Yeah. Because you know what? It is fun. Let's be honest. It's kind of. That's a good. That's uh, a good, the original yeah, to, to, right there. Yeah, it's uh, I would say that or Birth of a Nation, which is uh, the kaiju's obviously racism. Uh, but anyways, to get back to this movie after the this kind of scene with the motel, like he catches up kind of where Moss has been staying. And it's the really cool scene with the briefcase we're talking about earlier. And he uh, I, this is the one thing that I always wondered why he does this. But um, he gives he gives him a call to the hotel room he knows he's in. And basically, Sugar right away is like, hey, just give me the money or I'm going to kill your wife. Like, I know everything going on here, dude. Um, which is well done, because once again, it's that thing where I feel like Moss has made the right moves. But it, once again, he's he's going against a force he can't truly oh, yeah. deal with or comprehend. Um, and I do like, like, once again, Roland's amazing in this film with his acting as well, because you can see, like... There's so many like emotions that play across his face of like, ooh, I fucked up, but I also I'm I'm in too mm-hmm. deep now at this point. So, um, and that's kind of where the movie I I feel like really starts to accelerate at this point, of where he kind of gets out, and he decides to make a run across the border. Um, that really cool scene where he's being chased by the dogs and a yeah. few other things. Um, I think the the weirdest part in this movie is though he has the gun that when he shoots the dog, it turns the dog into a prop. Um, he lands on top of him. I did not like the scene where he shot the dog. Yeah, I don't like it either. But the, this is my this is my one mark against the movie. I know it's like it, it's a scene 
but the when he does kill the dog, it looks so fake. Well, yeah, like I know it's probably the, the technology of the time or the dummy they had, but it, it really does look like he shoots the dog maybe, and it turns into a prop purpose, dog. Because like Luke was saying, you know, he didn't like the dog scene. And a lot of people don't like, you know, dog. I mean, there's a website for it, like doesthedogdie.com. Yeah. They, mm-hmm. That's a good point. I mean, the I mean, dog like, was going to tear him to shreds. But yeah, they wanted yeah, so. they're like, let's yeah, make it. But if they fake. made it extremely yeah. realistic, yeah. It would little, be upsetting. You gotta do a little wink nod to the audience, like, "Hey, don't worry, this dog is." Fine. Everybody else, though, I, I do. Li- I do like that he had to take the gun apart and get the water out of it before he could shoot it. Oh yeah, I yeah, it's it. a cool it, scene. It had, it had great tension to that scene. This this film is so it's so well paced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's yeah. like a, it's like a nice it's like a nice set of new strings on a guitar. Yeah, it's so tense. But that also happened like near the beginning of the movie like when he gets caught taking water to the guy in the shootout mm-hmm. oh. i have a theory that he has like a lot of like bacon strips on him and that's maybe why all these dogs are always chasing him um we don't really get to see him around other dogs in the film so we can't really confirm yeah. or deny that uh, I, I i believe that i mean you know he's just he's he's a man he's a man who's who's laying out on the land like he's he needs those snackies keep the energy up he needs a quick <laughs> yeah. little protein break yeah and at this point too when he's kind of made it across um into a motel in el paso that's where kind of uh, woody harrelson's character gets roped into is kind of like a second man on the case to keep up with what's going on um on the cartel side i want to say they once again they never really clearly say but you can tell he's He's a part of the same kind of faction that's hunting for the money that may or may not be tied to Anton's character. Um, we also have another scene with Tommy Lee Jones where he finds um, Carla Jean, which is his wife's character, to ask him about a few things. And she also can kind of like tell he's in over his head where basically he's just she just tells him, like, just make sure he's safe. And, and Tommy Lee Jones' character is like, okay. <laughs> I don't know if you know all the news that's been going on, but okay. <laughs> um, yeah, this uh, this all kind of leads to another, I'd say, maybe my second favorite scene of the movie of um, Woody Harrelson's character has arrived at the hotel to kind of track him as well. Um, but when he goes to his door, he sees that the lock's blown out. And there's there's a look on his face that says, well, I'm about to be murdered. This is bad. <laughs> like, um, that, the whole scene. Yeah, the place where, where Moss was killed. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, it's it, I. Oh, actually, we we kind of skipped over that because yeah. I think that's the funny thing about this film is that that's how it happens in the film too. Is after that scene of with like with uh, Carson Wells being hired, which is Woody Harrelson's character, and then also when he talks to his wife, they cut back to the motel where uh, Moss called his wife to say come and visit him and get the money. Uh, when they cut back to it, he's just dead, which I think is, is so well, well because done. the Mexicans found out where they were going from. Uh his mother-in-law right oh god <laughs> oh yeah the one the one who who goes on and on about him being nothing but trouble yeah, yeah. two words yeah. no and good yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to that woman yeah. who played that role man this is really fun she's the, she she's got... the woman from donnie darko oh yeah the, the old that. lady like the crazy old lady no, the uh, the bitch lady. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a, she's a bitch lady. The, the one mom, one, I think, on IMDb. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she's good. She's got a witchy face. She's she, yeah. She's the one who uh, loves Patrick Swayze, even though he's a pedophile, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh man, that 
that would be an interesting movie to go back and watch. Again. I watched it again. It's not. It holds up, but in in a in a way. Yeah, Frank. I mean, Frank, it's a good idea. Frank's a kaiju. Yes. Uh, friggin', yes. Uh, what's that? What's that other movie he did though? Southland Tales. Yeah, that movie is ridiculous. Yeah, that one's also kind of debatable. If I went back and watched, it, if I'd enjoy it or not, that that would be fun to revisit. Maybe even more than Donnie Darko. Um, because I mean, there's a scene where a car has sex with another car, and that's kind of funny. Ooh, Cars Four. <laughs> <laughs> cars for me, baby. Um, yeah. So after that scene, they they cut to the motel where he was staying, and he's just dead. After they show like the cartel kind of leaving. Um, I like how just unceremoniously it all happens, uh, because once again, it's like it's this force of chaos you're kind of watching play out in the whole movie. Yeah. And now you're kind of just curious what's going to happen with uh, Shiger's character and the wife. And that's where we get back to the scene where uh, Woody Harrelson's talking to him. And the Woody Harrelson's a really great actor. Like, I just got to oh, say yeah. that right away. The way the way he displays just how nervous he is when he's talking to this this character, but trying to, like, remain cool headed is so well done of like you can tell he's just he's he's just so fucked and he's so aware of it but he's also like well maybe if i say the right thing i'm i'm gonna get and he's out also here, but... someone who's encountered chaguerre and isn't dead so he probably right. saw some fucking shit yeah <laughs> uh but yeah they uh this is actually already getting kind of towards the end of the movie at this point where he of course kills woody's character um, and then he eventually finds where uh, Carla Jean's kind of been staying. Um, and that's another man. There's a, you know what I'm going to say? I feel like I keep saying this is another really great scene when Carla Jean actually talks to Anton's character. And I think, I think she's the most Ford character and the most honest character to, to Anton in the whole film yes, as well. Yes. Um, like there's a certain vulnerability. I think she kind of displays that makes him kind of unnerved. Uh, but at the same time, I think she kind of realizes what's going to happen. Uh, after they have the talk, this is the the debatable scene that a lot of people always kind of talk about is they show, they just show Anton leaving the, the house and then checking his boots, um, throughout the whole film. Basically he does that whenever he's killed a character to see if he has mm-hmm. any blood on them. So it's pretty much assumed that he killed yeah. the killed the wife I, this I, I looked this up uh, trivia from from the original uh cormac mccarthy book that this was based on uh do you all want to know the difference from the book yeah sure sure yeah, yeah. uh so in in the original like near near end part of the book uh she actually she calls tails and its heads and it's written that he does shoot her i i think the i i think the movie handles the scene a lot i do better. too i like yeah because yeah, she ref- she refuses to call it, which I think is yeah. really interesting. Yeah, yeah. She, she says like, "I, you can't use luck as an excuse. This is you doing this." And then it's like it's ambiguous, but it's like, well, not necessarily. Like you said, if you pay attention to the context clues, like the answer is there, which you know the movie makes you kind of work oh, yeah. and pay attention for, which I enjoy. Yeah, yeah. You know what happened to movies where you actually had to watch them? <laughs> they weren't just uh, an yeah. MCU or a Martin it's Scorsese. All content <laughs> now. It's content creation. Yeah. But really, mm-hmm. uh, it, it truly, you know, it really is. And you know what? I love content. I I'm just going to say it now. You know what? I'll, 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 I'll say it. Content makes me content. Uh, and, Ooh. and then Anton's driving away and he gets T-boned by like a random drunk driver or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that, that scene is, is so great and abrupt. Uh, I feel like every time I've, I've watched this movie, it still kind of catches me. By surprise, 
I kind of um, like because you see him like he's kind of scared. He's very vulnerable in that scene. Yeah, and you never like yeah. see more him vulnerable like than that. he ever seen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it's only it's like when you think about it, that's the only way it could have ever happened. You know, like no one else could take the kaiju down except for a random act of God. You know, the guy gets yeah. T-boned yeah. and. And he sort of like it's even like the, the I love the lead up to it too. It's very like he even seems kind of like what what next kind of thing, and he's like looking yeah. at those kids in the rearview yeah. mirror on bikes and stuff, and he's just like he he looks like somewhat uneasy, and then it happens, and it's like he it's like he knew something would happen to him, whatever it would be, <laughs> and then yeah, we see he you know he's all fucked up and bloody and stuff, and you know he gets the shirt his bone sticking out of yeah. his fucking arm yeah All right. fucking once again bone. if they made an action figure <laughs> this would be bone. the battle yeah. damage yeah. one. Oh, that'd be uh, so cool yeah they should have made a lot of action figures I, I did figures google it movie. by the way should have I buy a whole there set. are there are huh. Anton Shigur figurines oh okay, okay. I know what I'm going okay, on okay, that's good. <laughs> thanks for the thanks for the stimmy money we're all getting them tonight right guys I got mine as much as 1400 we can make them fight each other you know Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. I want to say this real quick. The only thing that can beat a kaiju is a kaiju. That's true. Wait, isn't like a kaiju car or a, oh, no, Jew- a car? Jewish car? <laughs> no, yeah. that could have been. And a we, Jewish we car don't know that hit him. It's yeah. the Jewish car. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. That was the Semitic Turbo Team. That's what <laughs> ran into him. <laughs> there we go. Uh, well, th- I think that actually kind of gets us into a perfect segue of other jingles of in- into Mothru Paul's Drag Race. Um, Mothru Paul's Drag Race. Yeah, we talked about it briefly. The look for Anton or Anton's like really, really well done. Where it's kind of haunting. Uh, but I, I do like that it has that feeling of, um, I, I don't know if they did this on purpose, but when I first saw this movie, I didn't realize it was supposed to be set in the 80s. It just felt like it could take place like any time. Well, or it's 1980, so it's really like like not really the 80s yet. And it's, yeah. it's also like the but middle like, of like I think they... kind of nowhere Texas. So they're even like, that's sort of, ana- uh, what's, what's the word, anachronistic, uh, where it's like just something that it's like, unclear exactly what time period something might take place in if you yeah. travel if you go I think it, yeah. the mentions of Vietnam are really the only thing that place it in time exactly yeah and no actually yeah. no they and like those are important i think that's important to like the themes of the movie like we're like it's like it's 1980 so like vietnam vets are old men now yeah, yeah. uh i think they should have done my favorite thing like in wonder woman 84 where they should have been like hey it's 1984 Here's a song from 1984. We're all dressed like it's 1984. Oh, what year is it? Oh, I'm looking at the newspaper. I just remembered it's 1984. I don't even way. remember them playing any songs from 1984 in that movie. I don't think they did that. At the very, the very opening scene. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so over the top. <laughs> that movie sucks. We should watch that for Pot We did. I know. Okay. <laughs> I'm just being a little silly goof. Um, yeah, so the, the, the end of the movie basically is they, they cut to Tommy Lee Jones as the sheriff talking to his wife and then he talks about two dreams he recently had. Yeah. After he's Um, retired. I think that's what it's meant. It's meant to be after he's retired from the police force. Yeah. It's, I, I don't know why it is, but, uh, for some reason this scene always really gets me emotional at the end of it. I think it's, 
I think it's just because it's so well done of your feeling for this character that's just completely out of touch with everything and he just doesn't know what life is anymore. I always get that feeling of it, of just like, just a confused old man that's just seen the complete chaos of the world play out his entire existence and now he doesn't know what to make of it. Like, it's kind of a bummer ending, but it's also really thought-provoking at the same time. Yeah, it's sort of like, yeah, it's thought-provoking, but also sort of like a nothing moment, which it just plays off so well. He just, he he doesn't even know what to make of, like, this dream he had either. And it's just sort of like, yeah, I mean, my dad was there, you know? Yeah, and the dream specifically is that uh, he was staying over at Roger Rabbit's house, and then, uh, as we all know, Mrs. Rabbit came down. I believe. And said, yeah, Toontown, and want to know what he was up to. And from that point, it gets really explicit to the point where I don't want to mention on the podcast. Um, did, but it's a pretty bizarre dream. Did you guys think it was weird that he referred to his two dreams as DDDs, uh, which was double daddy dreams? <laughs> yeah, I do think that's weird, too. Um, and also the fact that he's completely erect where they just showed it on display. <laughs> too. Um, but yeah, that's the Coen Brothers for you, you know? They, they make you think. They do. And that's the end of No Country for Old Men. Um, they play the, the, the That's All Folks, uh, Porky Pig comes out. Um, it's a great movie. I, re- rewatching this, for some reason in my in my brain, they did have, someone did say the line like, this is No Country for Old Men. And I was holding on for, I was holding on waiting for that moment for the whole movie. And when it didn't happen, I was like, what happened? Where was it? And I, <laughs> I realized I definitely dreamed that. Oh man, which it could be your own ending to this movie, which is fun. Truly, they were a no country for old men. <laughs> yeah. Truly, there would be blood. <laughs> um, uh, a fun fact too that uh, I wanted to get to before we wrap it up and get to reviews is that um, uh, once again, like two hugely important movies to cinema came out that same year of uh, No Country for Old Men and There Will Be Blood. When I was reading up on it, they were filming so close that they actually had to stop production for one of the days when they were doing No Country for Old Men because about a mile away they were filming um, There Will Be Blood and one of the scenes when the oil catches fire, the pyrotechnics, I guess, got too carried away, which caused a huge giant black cloud to come out uh, where it was kind of on all of, the, all of their shots for this film. So it's just a little movie magic huh. to know about. You know, just put it in your lives. Like movie annoyance. That sounds like that would be very frustrating heard a filmmaker like oh this other film is fucking my film do you think the coen brothers were like watching it from a distance and they're like they just have one director we have two like that should give us priorities <laughs> like you know <laughs> just one guy i mean one guy with too many names but still it's just one person I mean, they were probably cordial but yeah i'm sure <laughs> they probably get along the coen brothers seem pretty cool uh but yeah for for reviews um i think we should uh keep it kind of simple uh so uh, you know we'll just do a, a one out of five call it's um you know that's when uh, you have to call the, the, sure. the coin flip listen i just i came up with this on the spot i thought it was really? gonna be better um but, but yeah improv <laughs> the thing about improv it's always about improving improve um, yeah uh, so I'm going to give, you know, let's just say it's one out of five blood symbols because that's their worst film. Um, I, I would give this, uh, I, I don't think I've done it for a Pazuki before, but this is definitely a five out of five blood symbols. Like, no doubt. Like, it's, it's I feel like a perfect film through and through. 
My only one complaint about it is the fake dog, but also it's insane for me to say they should make the dog killing more realistic, and that makes me <laughs> sound like a psychopath. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's why I'm going to stick with it. It's a five out of five, and uh, this is my fifth time rewatching it. I want to say, and like, absolutely would rewatch it again, maybe even within the year. Like, it's just, it's so good. Yeah, five out of five. This movie's awesome. I. Uh was enthralled throughout all of it it's right up my alley as far as like like kind of like depressing movies i like i like a movie that like where like everybody dies and nobody's happy (laughs) i I, i'm into that stuff so just like real life man yeah yeah (laughs) watch it if you've not already watched it and if you haven't watched it in a while watch it again it's it's you will even if you think like oh, I've seen it, and I probably won't be, it probably won't keep my attention. It'll keep your attention. No, one hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like most anybody in any walk of life, I feel like for the most part would enjoy this film. Maybe there's a few it wouldn't appeal to because it is so dark in town, but like it just it seems like such a perfectly filmed movie. I think you could like, make an argument, arg- the argument that this is a perfect movie. Yeah, you know what? And if you don't agree with us, uh, email us at podcast at gmail.com and we'll email you back to go fuck yourself. <laughs> I was so. going to say, maybe maybe fans of the MCU might find it, you know, unintriguing, but then I was like, oh, wait, no, Thanos is in it. Yeah, <laughs> Thanos, this is pre-Thanos. Uh, they shoot him so hard, he actually flies out to space yeah. and becomes purple. Uh, I, I, I'm going to echo uh, Brandon Luke's sentiments here. Uh, I'm going to give this film a solid fuck 25 it's 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 fantastic i i adore this film this is maybe my third or fourth time watching it and i'm i mean there's gonna be a fifth and a sixth and a seventh eventually and uh honestly as soon as i was done with it i just i wanted to show it to someone who's never seen it before i started messaging around to friends like hey have you seen this movie we should do a stream party yeah i would i mean honestly i would even rewatch it within a few days uh, yeah <laughs> same. Like, I mean, you told me you were doing it i could say it's doing i mean uh, not to interrupt too much again before we get to Kevin, but I, I it's insane to me that uh, once again, just the Coen brothers themselves have, have done this movie, Raising Arizona and Fargo, because all three of those movies, in my opinion, are like almost perfect. Maybe Raising Arizona is not as perfect, oh, but for uh, me, as a comedy, I, that's it is. Like, Brandon, Brandon, hold your fucking lips. Raising Arizona is perfect. Raising Arizona yeah, is pretty I would great. say that maybe my favorite of theirs, possibly. It feels like it just feels like so much like a live action Looney Tunes in the best possible way. Oh hell yeah! Why do you guys think the Lone Biker of the Apocalypse had the tattoo? I don't know. Maybe a discussion mm, for another time, perhaps. Know. But uh, I'll echo Fair everybody enough. else's yeah. uh, sentiments and say five out of five. Blood symbols. I love it. <laughs> Oh my goodness! This is now. This is a absolute first for Podzuki, where I think it's the first movie we reviewed that's got a perfect score. So I think we're gonna have to get this the coveted award and name it after this. From now on, this is in the No Pod for Old Zuki uh, uh, Club. Okay. Once again, improv is not my strong suit, <laughs> but it's something I hope to get better as a comedian and entertainer as I uh, age into hopefully a uh, better performer. Anyways, uh, yeah. <laughs> It's it, it's it's so good. Just go watch it again. It's on HBO Max streaming right now. If you got it, uh, if not, it's it's probably very easy to bit toward. I'm gonna be honest with you. <laughs> Ain't nobody giving a shit about this. You're not gonna go to jail for it. Like if you download the new Evangelion. So, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah which is out now. It's. Uh, I gotta rewatch the it's, rebuilds. It's real. I, I I don't remember much of three. 
Yeah. Well, might I interest you in the podcast, Podzuki, because uh, coming out this Thursday, we'll be reviewing uh, the second uh, of the Rebuild movies uh, with a uh, good old... Uh, I don't know if you know Mike Pazel, or how am I saying his name? Keith, right? Keith Pazel. <laughs> Keith, Keith Pazel. Uh, well, I'm not going to edit that out. I'm going to own that. I don't know if you know Keith Pazel before he moved off to L.A., but we uh, we watched it with him, and yeah, it was, it was good. It's yeah. a perfect fusion of Mike Kanish and Keith Pazel. Uh, yeah, they did a fusion of hot dance themselves. <laughs> um, but yeah, this uh, this will segue nicely into our stupid game uh, section. Quit playing stupid games. Uh, which I'm always glad to honor and present to our, our beloved uh, guest here. Uh, but I th- I feel like absolutely, Steve Buscemi has been in so many Coen Brother films and projects. We yeah. got to go back to the classic "How tall is Steve Buscemi?" We are once again asking you, how tall is Steve Buscemi? Um, now we've done this question a million times, so we all know it. But I'm going to shoot mm. it to you first, Kevin, as a as a warm up for this game segment before we open the floor for other co-hosts. Once that's done, whoever gets to two points first will win. Uh, but I do want to ask you, and this can give you a bonus point right away, how tall is Steve Buscemi? Okay. I'm closing my eyes. I'm trying to picture him in front of me. I'm, you know, his his big wet eyes, his big wet lips. Ugh. I'm Ugh. just trying to envision him. Like, my gut says 5'6", but I feel like that's too short. I don't think he's over 6 feet, though. I, that would be shockingly tall. I want to say 5'9". Oh my God! Put those hands together, everybody at home. That yeah, is on the right on That's the dot. Wow! Point out of the gate. You listen, Kevin. I'm gonna say this to all future guests: If you're gonna guess his height, close your eyes, picture him, make him glistening, all of it, completely just wet. soaking, and you're gonna Sopping. get <laughs> soaking. I mean, I've heard about some uh, wet ass pussy, but a wet ass bushami. Oh yeah, sign me up. Um, <laughs> Uh, I wanted to date this episode possible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as, as good as possible here. Um, so, yeah, now that the floor is open, we'll go around. If you feel like you know the height, you can just chime in right away if you want to guess right away, or I'll come to you as we go. Uh, but we're going to do a little bit of a, I'd say, a Coen Brothers roundabout here. Uh, so, I want to ask you, how tall is John Cohen? Uh, uh, 5'11. Good guess. I'm gonna say 5'10. Good guess. Hmm. Yeah, I feel. I don't know. I I feel like uh, this is kind of a strange point, but I feel like directors tend to be large people for whatever reason. <laughs> like it's like you wouldn't expect it. It's like you know, oh, you should be out there in front of the camera. What are you doing back here? It's like you know. <laughs> I, so I, I would say probably, and I'm just going to say 6-1. Once again, I feel like I'm going to give the point because it's kind of between Luke and Kevin right now, but Joel Cohen is six feet exactly. Wow. So now you're probably wondering, okay, this Ethan Cohen, they're brothers, but they're not they're not twins. So is he going to be the same height or is it completely different? I'm presenting to you all now. How tall is Ethan Cohen? I'm I'm gonna go a little bit off the beaten trail. I'm gonna say he is 17 feet tall. A kaiju in his own right. <laughs> yeah. I would say I, I you know I'm just gonna say maybe I don't know which one's older. I don't think it matters, but I want to say he might be a little bit smaller. Uh, I want to say he is 
uh, Buscemi's height, 5'9". Okay. I'm, I'm gonna say also good guess. They're about they're both pretty close. I'll say six feet. Okay, guys, Luke fucked it up because we could have just been out of here. Because I mean, I guess you know Kevin technically already got two points, so we're done. But I wanted to do both of them. <laughs> but Luke got Luke got a point, so he's still in the running. But we'll, we'll say this is the end of the segment. Yeah. Anyways, Ethan Cohen is exactly five eight. Wow. So makes you think yeah, it does it, re- it really does <laughs> as, as my kids do <laughs> I, I, sometimes when we finish these segments i do wonder if our listeners at home is like oh yeah i guess that's yeah. it mm. i think it's time for i think you segment. play the stupid game seg- song and then they like okay i'll see them next week <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sort of pavlovian response. It, it's our own yeah it, it's like our own wtf intro of like just skipping 10 minutes ahead it's like just skip the last 10 minutes of the podcast we get it <laughs> We had a good time talking about a great movie. Kevin was fantastic. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you, you, you've earned it. You, yeah, you don't need to listen to the whole thing. I, you will miss the plugs and the recommendations then. So I will maybe say that this is... podcast... Well, the meat and potatoes, but not the salad. Th- this podcast yeah. did prepare me to meet Steve Buscemi in person because now, you know, you helped me. You, I, you, you brought me on a meditative experience that I, like I said, I, I opened my third eye, closed my other two regular eyes, and I just imagine the man in front of me, and I would say if I ever saw this guy at a restaurant or wherever the case might be, I, I wouldn't want to be shocked and think he was, you know, larger yeah. or smaller than I expected. And this, you know, will you know, prepare me for the inevitable situation in which uh, Steve Buscemi and I are, uh, you know, like passing ships in the night in a Wendy's bathroom. When you get to recognize right. Steve Buscemi as just like a guy, an equal. Right. I mean, that's <laughs> what Podzuki does. If there's anything I could proudly say is that we prepare every guest. To yeah, and it, it's going to be one eventually. of those situations, too, where, like, no one's going to, like, see a guy like that and be like, was that Steve Buscemi? You're going to be like, no, that was Steve <laughs> Buscemi, like, 100%. <laughs> or, even better, like, let's just say that theoretically out in the world, you see some, like, 5'6 guy running around who looks exactly like Steve Buscemi, you know. False that's alarm. Not him. Simple as that. Yeah, put put your pants back on, everybody. Come on. You, you, Get that back in there. I, you don't need to worry about it. It's not him. Well, I guess we should get to our, our final stupid gang section. Stupid gang section. Oh, boy. I'm we a stupid it. gang. <laughs> we the Pazuki uh, gang. I think I the last time... Uh, hey, that was a porno. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just saying his name off. That's how you do an impression. Um, I think the last time you were on, we did this game possibly, but if you haven't, we're bringing you back to the the wonderful world of who the fuck is Ron Canada. Our favorite bit part actor, our favorite working actor. He's been in over 295 films uh, and movies wow. and TV series. Famously, the judge from Ted 2. Uh, Everybody loves him. You know him, but you don't recognize him, but now you do. So I'm going to ask everybody. We'll go in a roundtable to see who guesses this right. So, of course, Ron Canada, big bit-time actor in so many sitcoms, you know he was in Family Matters. Absolutely. And I'm not going to ask what his name was or what his role was. I'm going to ask all of you to guess. How many times was he on the series Family Matters? How many times did he appear on how many episodes? Let me let me just Google this guy's face. You said Ron. Let me see. Ron Canada. Let's Ron see. Canada, like the the Great North above us. He's been in a lot of stuff. He's been in so many. Yeah. Episodes. He's a working actor. The, the judge in Ted. Was he the judge in Ted? Was he the judge in Ted? Yeah, he's also the judge in Ted too. 
No. No, no. Absolutely okay. not. Well, that's going to throw me off. Actually, to bring that up is a little offensive. He, he, only, so. he only jumps in for sequels. He's only there if he knows people are going to watch it. Technically true for what we know, because he wasn't in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, but he was definitely in Honey, I Blew Up the Kids. Exactly. Well, you know they can't yeah. bring in Ron Canada unless they've already established the franchise. You've got to take the crest off before you put in the gold. Exactly. The man's a wor- world I don't know what that means. for a film franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he was the MCU before the MCU was around. <gasps> Guys, the Ron Canada cinematic universe. Think about it. I like, I like do, do we have that. a do we have choices or do we just guess? No, years? I'm just gonna make you guess any number. It could be one to one hundred. I'm gonna guess uh, six. Five. Okay, we got Martin down for six. Okay, we got Luke down for five. Ooh, I mean, let me say four because that's because since four. Yeah, I'm gonna say eight. Okay, well, technically, I think I, I built it up too much, but Luke got the closest. He was he was in two episodes of Family Matters. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Woo That has been who the fuck is Ron Canada? <laughs> See that time, that's like that's I knew, that's where you end the segment. That was like I bet everybody at home like started clapping like Brandon ended it right on time. <laughs> Woo Now I can go to bed. He didn't make it go too long. Oh no, he's doing it. He's he's spiraling. He better get uh, out of it. You know how to build the suspense. Uh, and, I mean two times, that's yeah. uh that's quite a resume. Yeah. You know, I'd say uh, put that on a fridge and uh, take a look. Uh, but yeah, let's, look. Get, let's get to the good old recommendations and uh, plugs. Recommendations. We've coupled them together for the last year because we're celebrating here at home during the pandemic. Because a lot of us don't have things to plug, uh, we do have a lot of recommendations. Still not much to plug, uh, you know, other than doing that live stream with NPC Incorporated, which is our renamed Desk and Day Jobs uh, D&D kind of live stream and podcast. We're doing another one tomorrow, so when you're hearing about this, it'll probably either be that Thursday or next. We usually do these one-shot D&D campaigns that are very fun to watch. I can honestly say it is a great time. Uh, but for recommendations, um, I started reading a little manga I quite like that's just a cute, fun, good time called Spy Family. Uh, oh, I recommend it. It's it's really good. It's I think I've gotten to that point where I just want to enjoy a good, straightforward manga. I don't need a crazy twist yeah. or something to pull me in. And Spy Family just like, hey, we're here to have a good time. Everybody is pretending to be someone else. There's a psychic daughter. You, you're going to enjoy it. There's a guy who says elegance a lot, and it's fantastic. So. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's it for me. Uh, I will recommend Captain Toad on Nintendo Switch. It was a Nintendo oh, yeah. Wii U game, but uh, I got it on Switch, and it's a lot of fun. I got that recently as well. There was like a, a brief glitch on Walmart.com where the whole game plus all the DLC was four dollars. So I'm like, okay. Uh, oh, well, I didn't. I, I didn't get that. I got it for like twenty bucks off eBay. But <laughs> you got ripped off, dude. Hey, no, those are both good deals. Fun I got deal. it because I was playing uh, Super Mario 3D nah, World, Luke fucked up. and they had like some Captain Toad levels. Yeah. And so I thought that would be fun. Yeah. And it was. I guess I, uh, my recommendation, I'm, I'm going to follow Brandon and just recommend a manga. Uh, go ahead, check out uh, Sakamoto Days. Uh, it's it's a manga about a, a retired professional assassin who's just trying to live his, his cute little life with his wife and his daughter. And it's very cute. And he is 
a murder machine, but he's now an older pudgy man who works at a convenience store. It's it's lovely. I feel like assassins are just the thing to go with in manga right they now. They are. Just fun. There's assassin classroom. There's, I mean, everyone loves asses. Like, it's, it's, it's perfect. Yeah. Azamanga Dayo. That's yeah. uh, Shonen Jump as well. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I've seen yeah. the, it's like that pudgy guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's, check, check out the first chapter. It's it's a delightful read. So there's a little Shonen Jump for those, like, for, like, like kids? Too? Young men. Young hey, men. listen, manga's for young men. <laughs> <laughs> we just start chanting, young men, young, young men. men. Which none of us are. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're old. Sorry. I don't know. I know uh, that, like, One Piece is, like, huge. Oh, yeah, One Piece is With anyone incredibly... who's read it, like, no matter, like, even if you think they wouldn't be into crap like that. <laughs> if you started reading it when you were a baby... Uh, in 1997, as released at this point, you would be 24 years old, which is so. I mean, there up. are there are yeah. longer running series out there, you know. Yeah, JoJo's, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Detective Conan. Um, not many, but yeah. I like Detective Conan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see it. Just think a child cop's stupid. <laughs> I mean, but he's not a child cop. He's like an older teen cop who just got like turned into a kid. Exactly. He's... He he got Muppet babied by himself, which is kind of uh, crazy to think about. Because like it's it's cool because like he's like a kid with like sexual urges. Yeah. He looks like a kid who's <laughs> actually a thousand I... years old. Oh, wrong series. <laughs> that, that, that could be that's, almost anything. Yeah. That's that's, <laughs> yeah. that's another T-shirt idea right there. It is. I gotta write these down and actually make them. I how many fucking times am I gonna say this? <laughs> I'd say I... hey, let's make a deal right now. If by next week and I don't get a t shirt design out, Luke and Martin can okay. legally murder. I want the I don't like that. I want the I um it. Super Mario Brothers never forget t shirt. Yeah, I also want that one. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, great episode. Go back and check that out with Christian A. Smith. It's right. it's such a classic. And I would say uh, um well, to recommend uh, in the in the vein of video games, uh, Brandon, you probably appreciate this. I've been getting into the Dragon Quest series uh, a lot over quarantine. I played DQ one, DQ three, and currently I've jumped right into DQ eleven, uh, yeah. which has nice. been occupying a lot of my free time. It's one of those things where it's like you know we're stuck, we're still stuck in this uh, quarantine pandemic, and I really just wanted to sink my teeth into a juicy, meaty. Dozens of hours long JRPG, and you couldn't do a whole lot better than Dragon Quest Eleven. It's one of those games. Yeah, it's one pressed. of those games where you know it, it. It feels like what a video game you would expect a video game to look like when you were a kid during the nineties. Um, just it really hits <laughs> all those right boxes for me, and it's one of those games where right. I find myself thinking about during the day daydreaming about it when i can play it next <laughs> and you know it's not often yeah. you, you get an experience like that so i i, I well, yeah that's what you yeah, want it's, that's me that's like me in hades right now <laughs> yeah and i mean like now more than ever you, you need something like that yeah did you did you play hades no i haven't i i everybody loves it i i, I need to get to it yeah, that's, that should be the one after that. But if you are enjoying the Dragon Quest series, because me and Martin are pretty big fans of it, oh, yeah. um, I don't know what you'd be able to play it on, because I played it on the 3DS way back in the day, and I think it was actually a DS game. Uh, Dragon Quest V, really fantastic. That's probably my favorite of the series. Yeah, that was originally on Super Famicom, I think, right? Yeah. I think it was I think it was that weird time frame where they put it like on that in the PlayStation. Let me take a quick gander. 
Uh, just to make sure I have the right one too. I don't want to look like an idiot to all my it's... listeners, which I've never done before. That's the one where like you yeah. can capture the monsters, if I ever call it. Yeah, I, yes. I've not. I've... Yeah, Dragon Quest Five is ninety-two, and that did come out to the Famicom. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I heard that one's uh, one of the best ones. Yeah. Yeah, it's really you get to like uh, pick out your whole waifu, Ooh. and then you have kids that are pretty strong. Yeah, I'm sure it made a whole generation of people. That's me, what I. Good. As long as my kids are strong. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Which I never mind. I guess strong seed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that's the that's the good note to leave on. Oh wait, I should say though, uh, you get you got stuff to plug though, of course, Kevin. Yeah, yeah. Um Thought Cops. Check it out. Uh it's a podcast I do with my friend Grant. Uh we're actually boo. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we just gotta boo Grant out of we'll boo him off yeah. respect. Uh yeah. but yeah, we uh we recently hit our 200th episode so we've been um this has been keeping us quite busy during quarantine we've been doubling down on our twitch streams as well uh twitch.tv slash thought cops we've been streaming twice a week uh every week and um we're actually recording an episode with martin uh tomorrow as of this recording so that may or may not be out by the time this comes out but if it's not you can we got a whole lot of uh episodes to go back to we got we had brandon on we've had martin on Luke, Yo. you got to come on sometime, man. I know it's um. Hey, I'm 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 open. Let's do it, Luke. I think I think you would Hell be yeah. amazing on it because it's it's a show dedicated to hating things on the internet, and I think you're a professional. I'm real at that. good at that. <laughs> <laughs> you get hate. I'm real good at that. I just don't post on the internet. Yeah, I mean, you've decided to take it off there so that you could just hone your. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's in private. Yeah, I mean honestly, I've been like I've been posting and whatever like less than I have just because it's like I don't know, man. Shit's you know shit's whatever we all we all get it but you know i i keep yeah. an eye on it for the show but yeah i mean brandon you summed it up well it's about hating shit on the internet we're you know grant <laughs> and i are forced to consume this filth every single week and then uh discuss it with different you know <laughs> guests every week and talk about god you know like the audible sigh that you all had when you knew you had to discuss lola bunny for the win episode was so <laughs> entertaining to me. i mean that's just because like you knew it's gonna come back on the next few episodes too like it's not going yeah anywhere. i mean the space stamp space jam discourse is uh not ending anytime soon sadly so yeah i mean like all in all it's good fun you know it's yeah. there's a whole community built around it too so it's all you know whatever uh check it out apple itunes uh google play spotify stitcher wherever you get your podcasts uh youtube yeah. if that's your thing we're there check out the discord yeah yeah, yeah. Discord. it's a, a really great community that's kind of built up around it too so it's a lot of fun in all honesty and um yeah we'll be you know putting out more and more episodes along the way well, it sounds great, but how much does it cost? No, okay, anyways, <laughs> let us let us get to the the ending of this podcast. Uh, I feel like we're gonna get it. We've been getting them in, in a row, but I I have yet to edit it where they actually all line up at the same time. So that's I think our yeah. new goal. So let's let's do it right now, let's, boys. You ready? Let's, let's not slow it down. Let's just power through it. Say it how yeah. we think it should be okay. said. I'm we're gonna make it happen. Okay, okay three, two, one. You're, you're gonna, gonna like, like the way, the way fuck. Fuck. I guarantee, I guarantee it. it. See, we got we got too confident. That's what happened. Yep. We, mm. Oh confidence, boy, confidence doesn't look good on us. <laughs> no, that's that's a t-shirt. <laughs> show has been brought to you by machine culture
Bye, I forgot. <laughs>